This is the short game. Apologies in advance for this week's audio quality and general lateness. Your fearless podcast host spent this week moving from St. Louis to Mountain View, California, and our podcast schedule and equipment did not cooperate as planned. That said, this is an episode we're really proud of, so please enjoy and let us know what you think. got a kind of an interesting topic, uh, kind of a different thing for us again. We are t- going to be talking about the games that won Apple Design Awards this year at WWDC 14. Uh, when you're listening to this, WWDC will probably have been about a month ago, so you've probably already heard of some of these games if you've got your ear to the ground for that sort of thing. But it's really been an amazing year, and obviously there was so much news out of WWDC that was pretty exciting. Not a lot of it really relevant to a gaming show, because it's just awesome news for developers, but really exciting if you're an Apple news. Yosemite. Yosemite. And iOS 8, and all of the amazing news there. But something that Apple does every single year at WWDC is announce the Apple Design Awards. They've been giving out Apple Design Awards as long as I can remember. Um, but in the last few years, they've started splitting it up between iOS and the Mac, I've also started awarding a lot of Apple Design Awards uh, to games. There's a, Obviously, they want to highlight the games that make their platforms look good, games that are unique or really interesting on the iPhone or iPad. Uh, some of these games are also available on other platforms, too, though. Yeah, the, uh, the thing about these games that I think makes Apple choose them is that they're uniquely suited to play on a touchscreen, and they're also just beautiful to look at uh, and really wonderful innovative interactions Mm -hmm. yeah i could tell within about 45 seconds of each game that i played particularly monument valley and designs or device six uh why they won design awards i mean just immediately it's like this is not something that i've ever ever really played before absolutely so these games are pretty interesting just to to uh, catch you up if you haven't read the show notes, which um, you can be excused. Uh, we're going to be talking about actually five games, one to my count, one Apple Design Awards this year. Uh, we've got Device 6 from Simogo, uh, Monument Valley from Us 2, uh, two different puzzle games, one called Bleck and another called Threes. I really like Threes. And then a fifth game called Leo's Fortune. Unfortunately, Leo's Fortune is the one of these five that none of the four, the three of us have played. Um, but we're going to be discussing all of those other games uh, in some depth. And then we'll talk just a little bit about Leo's Fortune as much as we can, having not played it. Uh, but before we really dive in and talk about all of those really exciting games, um, what have you guys been up to? Well, besides my uh, steady diet of Faster Than Light, uh, MLB, MLB The Show, and Mercenary Kings. Uh, one game that I'm really excited about, it's actually been out for a long time, but has recently gone into the Steam Greenlight 
program and looks like it might be being released with new features and more expanded kind of everything. Have any of you guys ever played a game called Torabash? I never even heard of Torabash. So it's an incredibly unique fighting game. Uh, it's played online. It's a free download. So go and uh, check it out. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be free through Steam whenever it's done because it looks like they're adding a lot. But it's basically uh, a one-on-one fighting game where it's turn-based, but you are actually in control of every single joint <laughs> on your player. And you have a countdown. Uh, you have like a timer of like 30 seconds. Or, you know, that can be changed, but 30 seconds to assign a movement to every joint on the body. And that's like realistic, like expand, contract. Um, If it's like the hand, it's open, close. Uh, If it's like the head, it's like tilt back, tilt, uh, you know. And is it played in two dimensions or three? Three. You can spin all the way around the player. And it gives you little, uh, little kind of visuals of what your move is going to look like while you're messing around with their kneecaps and their hip joints. And then both players are setting up their moves at the same time. And then the timer runs out and those moves happen. And then it freezes again and players assign the moves and then it happens and you can win. There's a varying ways of play styles. You can win by um, if a, part of their body that's not a hand or a foot touches the ground that's game over uh if both people stay upright long enough uh to where the timer runs out it's whoever scored the most points you score points by making solid contact uh and every limb every part of their body is removable so if (laughs) if you have a particularly good judo chop uh you can actually like knock their head off and the game's not over until that head has flown through the air and hit the ground. So if you can somehow get someone to uh, hit the ground before your character's head has hit in the ground, or if you had grabbed their shoulder and they detach your arm, (laughs) it'll stay grabbed on. But if they fall and that arm hits the ground before they hit the ground, then they win. It's an incredibly unique game and it's so much fun. That's crazy. Um, I've just looked up some pictures of this and they look like they're the characters look like they're made out of, I don't know, Capsella or or like those weird jointy Lego things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never played a game like it. And I started playing this game. um, I want to say somewhere around five years ago. And I go back to it from time to time because it's so much fun and it's all online play. And you basically earn belts as you uh, defeat other players and move up the ranks and play more difficult players. Uh, it's it's incredibly challenging because you have a countdown and it's not like you select right leg kick. It's like you select right hip con- uh, contract, right knee contract, right ankle extend, right foot like twist, and you have to get all of those moves perfect. And then it does the move, but only in like a you can set it, but like that action will happen for like five seconds or like three seconds, and then it freezes again, and you have to reassign all the different things. Wow. So wow, when I play it, is it basically gonna be uh, just like Octodad all over again? Quap Fighter, uh, kind of. But you'll the 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 thing that's so fu- the thing that's so funny about this game, and one of the reasons I enjoy it, is that 
it's one of those like best laid plans type deals where you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to contract both my arms and do like a double punch to their head and I'm just going to chop their head off. But they, having seen that happen or coming, will have like, you know, set up their player to drop to like duck you know a foot and then both your punches miss and then you're just exposed and you try to correct it and it, it just goes kind of this like cat and mouse thing yeah that looks uh that looks like a really interesting game i will yeah. i will i will go ahead and try that i i've got um to say that my only news is almost no news at all which is to say that i have more steam credit now than i ever have before <laughs> i have um i have enough steam credit to buy basically any game on my wish list and i'm paralyzed with indecision so oh, no i'll have to keep in touch with you guys and see how that shakes out you just gotta save it for the sale exactly the summer sale has to be in a month or so right yeah and i'm just waiting on that i've got so many games on my wish list now um, but I guess I'm just going to do what I do every time they have the steam summer sale, which is get extremely impulsive. Only this time I have more wallet, uh, credit to, to get impulsive with than uh, I really yeah. should. I've got a dollar 66 in steam wallet from a bunch of cards that I sold. Uh, yeah. It's funny how selling those cards really makes you feel like, Ooh, I can spend 85 cents on a game now. It was yeah. free. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had never done that before. I didn't. I had kind of ignored the Steam marketplace, and then I looked at my inventory, and I had like several hundred cards. So I spent the like twenty five minutes it took to put them all up there, and they all sold like instantly for a total of about four dollars. Wow! And I bought who, a game. Who's buying these cards? I don't know. I bought a few. I, I know it's, it's, it's pretty silly, but I, I did buy a few uh, just because I wanted to get some like decorations for my uh, for my Steam profile that no one will ever look at for any reason. Yep. yep. That's cool. You're that guy. Now we know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my news is also not really news. I, uh, uh, in addition to all the great games we've been playing here, I've, uh, I got an itch to play another Game Boy Advance game. As you all know, I'm pretty obsessed with the Game Boy Advance. And, uh, I, uh, I started playing Wario Land 4 which is a really, really well-regarded game, critically. Um, like, it's a... it's. I mean, it's a lot of people think that it's one of the best, you know, uh, best platformer games for the Game Boy Advance. And I'd never played it, so I decided to check it out and um, started playing it. It is a fantastic game, but that's not the news that I had. Um, I, I was playing this in an emulator, and I decided, oh, I was going to buy it. And so I went on Amazon, and I looked for Wario Land 4. And uh, I came across some of the reviews... So actually, I came across this because I clicked on on Amazon. There's a separate listing for the booklet. So if you just want to buy the booklet to complete your box of Wario Land 4 or what have you, then you can do that. So this is a kind of corner of the Internet that only you would ever stumble across. People that are <laughs> Game Boy Advanced completionists. Yes. Yeah, Game Boy <laughs> Advanced completionists. And therefore, there was only one review of the booklet for Wario Land 4, and I came across the most bizarre and fascinating little thing. I came across the only review for the booklet of Wario Land 4, written by a 75-year-old woman named Nancy Morse, um, who sounds like the most delightful person in the world. She's 75. Uh, you, you really learn a lot from somebody by reading, as I have now, their entire 
Amazon review history. <laughs> and Nancy Morse is the most charming old lady I can imagine. She uh, She's in several uh, community bands and she teaches music classes. She spends a lot of her time working on her Victorian house. And she loves Wario Land 4. Uh, she says in her review... Um, uh, at 75 years of age, why am I playing these games on a little Game Boy Advance SP machine? Because they were beautifully made to last, and we had nothing like them when I was a child. Oh. I truthfully spend a lot of time bored, with nothing to do, no one to do it with. A brother three years older is not a playmate. We were just two different people at different developmental levels. But these games are great for a girl or a boy. I have seen our grandchildren learn so quickly and wonderfully. If you think like a child, you can figure out Wario Land 4 and take it all the way to the super hard level that even the kids seldom learn about. She she actually wrote reviews for this game as well as a couple of other Wario Land games because apparently she loved Wario Land 4 so much that she went out and got Wario Lands 2 and 3. And she didn't like them as much. But in every review, she talks about how excited she was to get past the normal and hard levels and get to the super hidden difficulty level of super hard. She was so proud of herself. These reviews are adorable. They are the most adorable thing I've ever come across on the Internet. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I feel like I know this woman already. That is wonderful. It's the most charming thing. She's also written a lot of other reviews for things like she's learning Chinese. So she had a book of a series of books about Chinese. Um, she has a um, uh, she writes a lot of reviews for sort of like craft items and like cooking products, things like that. Just seems like a really charming old lady. So, Nancy Morse, you're not listening to this show, but we salute you. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't know that. I mean, if she got so into Wario Land 4, she might be into this show. She's completely right about Wario Land 4, by the way. It's awesome. It's a great game. It's way better than any Mario game I played on the Game Boy Advance. Interesting. Did you manage to get to the super advanced levels that your grandchildren can't get to? I just started. I can't compete with Nancy Morse. Uh, okay, well, uh, good luck. Thank you. Well, I'm, always, I'm always looking for a good... Uh, mario-esque platformer i'm actually probably going to be buying a wii u sometime in the near future for all the mario games that are available on it same here i've considered it i'm gonna wait until one of you guys buys one and uh hear what you guys have to say about it i'm really hesitant about consoles these days they're expensive yeah, i just love mario games so and yeah. i don't even care i just love mario games all the mario games i don't even play a ton of them but every time i get one i'm like this was a ton of fun, particularly mm -hmm. the revamp that they've done with the newer ones, the side scrolling, uh, like modernized. Yes. Yeah, those are a ton of fun. Like Have you super... seen the thing about Mario Maker? No. There's a thing they announced at E3 this year where you can design your own Mario levels and sort of nice. share them online using the, the little touchpad on the Wii U. Cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. Looks like fun. Uh, I think it'd be fun to try playing community-generated Mario levels. I can't even imagine how difficult those are going to be. Yeah. Or how right. bad. I mean, honestly, yeah. no one's really yeah. all that good at making levels. Except yeah, but Nintendo. the cream always rises to the top on that stuff. You let the internet have enough time, someone will make some pretty good levels. That's true. Could end up being really magical. Yeah. And speaking of touchpads as a segue from the Wii U... What a smooth transition yeah, you have. I know. I am really getting these things down, guys. 
Um, we're talking about, uh, once again, several games that all won Apple Design Awards this year uh, at WWDC 14. So we're talking about Device 6, Monument Valley, Threes, Black, and maybe just a mention of Leo's Fortune, which unfortunately we haven't had time to get to and play yet. Um, who wants to start? Um, I guess I could start off with a little bit of discussion of uh, Threes and or Black. Yeah, let's knock those two out, because those two are sure. um, the two puzzle games in our batch. Actually, I don't know. If... I would consider Device 6 to also be a puzzle game, but a very much much a different breed yeah. of puzzle game. Yeah, well, they, um, that's that's true. It's Well, in a sense, they all have a puzzle aspect, so maybe that's not the defining factor. Yeah, um, but uh, the first one, I guess, is one that I have spent truly an epic amount of time playing, and that is Threes. Um I first heard about Threes uh, before the Apple Design Awards. I, I've been hearing about it since I think I bought it the day it came out uh, because the developer that made Threes... Yes, Shane, I remember you bought it the day it came out because then you bugged me to buy it for literally a week. Uh, yes, and, and you did. I did, and I really enjoyed it, so I'm glad that okay, you did good. bug me about it. Um, Nobody bugged me to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody Sorry. pays me in Trident layers. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um what yeah no threes is threes is was i knew i would like it because it's from the same developer as a game called puzzle juice uh puzzle juice was a really mm. interesting game uh that came out a couple of years ago that was a bizarre hybrid mashup of a word search like um uh you know word finding uh scrabble type game with tetris where the tiles falling from the top of the screen um, would not be cleared from the board like they are in Tetris, but they would turn into letters, which you then had to make into words to clear from the board. So it was <laughs> an obscenely difficult puzzle game. That's pretty cool, though. Uh, it was. It's still a game I would definitely recommend. Anybody who wants to find something really bizarre, but extremely fun and playable, um, just go ahead and give that a try, too. But threes on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is one of the simplest puzzle games I've ever played. Yeah. Just to give you an idea of what you'll see when you first boot up threes, um, it is a four by four grid of tiles. And when you first start, you're going to have uh, some ones and some twos, some ones that are blue and some twos that are red. When you swipe up, down, left or right, all the tiles move up, down, left, or right. Unless they uh, hit a wall. One notch uh, until they hit a wall. And each time you swipe, one more tile will slide on. Ones and twos can be merged up together. Uh, if you slam a one into a two, uh, you're going to get a three. And from there on up, a three and a three can be merged up, a six and a six can be merged up, a twelve and a twelve can be merged up, and so on. Now, Important note there, you can't merge any tiles that aren't the same apart from the one and the two. So, for example, if you've got a three and a six next to each other, they're not going to combine. You have to move things around until they are next to something, to another three or another six. Now, what I have been, um, what was interesting to me, I, I started following the developer of this game. Um, uh, I believe his name's Asher Vollmer. Um, if I'm mispronouncing that, please forgive me, Mr. Vollmer. Uh, but I've been following him on Twitter since this game came out, uh, just because I really liked 
his previous puzzle game, and he was pretty active on Twitter. Yeah, he's a very affable, interesting guy. Posts a lot of interesting links. Yeah. Um, the visual style of his game is also really interesting. So I just wanted to kind of keep up and see what was going on. And right on the heels of this game, I started to see uh, some clones come out. And that's kind of a whole other story. But uh, just to kind of finish what I'm, what I'd like to say about the game itself... It's an incredibly adorable game. The design aspect, which is really clearly why Apple chose this game for the Apple Design Award. Uh, the design aspect, every tile, the higher the value of the tile, the more personality it has. So the ones and the twos are just plain colored blocks. Uh, but once you get to a three, it has a little bit of a face on it. And it looks a little uh, sleepy, not super yeah. awake. And then uh, by the time you get up to something like a, a 192... Uh, tile, it's going to be like a weird, toothy, grinning critter with headphones on. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, the, the highest tile, I, I think I've gotten... Let me see what my highest tile is. Yeah, we should compare high scores. Oh, okay. Yours is going to be way higher than mine, though. Oh, so but Siba, uh, who was on our uh, board game episode, has the all-time high score among my friends right now. My highest tile was a 384, Ugh. And my... Let's see. My overall high score would be... <laughs> 9,885. Oh, Shane, you're killing me. I'm not even going to share mine now. Well, Patrick Siba, his high score is 63,393. So I'm not really... Uh, okay. Super proud. That is utter crap. Okay, yeah. So the only reason I want to get this game now is to defeat you guys in your high okay. scores. Because, well, hey, if you can beat me, yeah. hats off to you because this is a really hard game. I uh, wanted to say, you know, you, you mentioned the clone thing briefly, and that really is a discussion for an entirely different thing. But the reason I've only played very little threes is because I actually totally missed the boat on threes and came in when everybody was playing 20, uh, 2048, which is probably the most popular clone of it is. threes. And I got really into that game. It's incredibly similar with uh, some subtle differences that make it uh, entirely different play style. Yeah, but absolutely. Really the, the the big difference between 2048 and this is when you swipe in 2048, the tiles go the whole way across the board, mm -hmm. no matter what their position, which makes the game a lot easier. So if you're looking for an easier version of this game that's not anywhere near as well designed in terms of the visual elements of the game and things like that, it's a, it's a, it's a good game. Mm -hmm. um, but I do kind of feel like this developer has a little bit of beef with the developers of these game clones. Uh, I think he's been very classy about it, but yeah. yes, like I, I think you, you, there's, there's a way to approach this kind of situation where you, you know, put a lot of effort into a game and uh, it comes out and then immediately a clearly, you know, slapped together in a week. Um, yeah, not, comp yeah. Competent, but you know, clone essentially of, yeah, of your game comes out. There's a way to handle that. That's very angry and, you know, uh, lawyer up and all that. And, and he didn't go that route. Um, he took, I think a very classy, uh, I don't like that word, but I'm using it anyway, uh, approach to this, where essentially uh, what he did to respond to it was, first of all, just, t you know, talk about his experience, you know, what it's like to have uh, your game, uh, you know, essentially copied by uh, someone who's then, you know, doing it, essentially your same game design, but without your game's finesse. 
uh, and how yeah. that kind of makes him feel about it. And then he also posted a whole lot on his website to kind of explain what it took to create what the other developers were then able to sort of copy in such a short yeah, amount of time. There's a page up there that's uh, his website is asherv.com. There's a there's also, by the way, a, um, asherv.com slash threes is the main page for uh, his uh, his game. But asherv.com slash threes slash three males um, is Weird word. A, a page that he put up that is actually a really interesting insight into the process that came that, that brought this game about um, so he starts off by sort of talking about his reason for putting up all this information which is just to talk about uh the clones uh, and ripoffs of, the, of his game and you know he he released his game 21 days later uh a game called 1024 came out uh, <laughs> that was not very different but it had little blocks that would you know stop the tiles from sliding around uh, the merging and sliding mechanics were all the same. Um, Essentially, they were doing just enough to make yeah, it to make it different. And then 1024 came out about 10 days after that. Uh, so within about a month uh, of this guy releasing this incredible game, the app store was swamped with clones. We're talking about something that has the finesse of you know. I, I think that this game has a lot of the sort of magic that games like Tetris had. This is a yes. game that, when you look at it, it has this, it's a brilliant puzzle concept that boils down to something so simple that it is easy to grasp, and that also makes it easy to copy. And that doesn't, you know, that's why we have 100,000 versions of Tetris. It's not just the, you know, uh, game rules are not copyrightable. Uh, uh, only game design, only game aesthetic. You know, that's why you can make a clone of Monopoly as long as you change all of the graphics. So, and that's not wrong. You know, that's the way that culture and game culture works. And I think Asher understands that. But he also wants, you know, people to kind of understand what it takes to build a great game. So I think that was why this was such a classy move was that he really did a great job of explaining the effort that he put into the game and makes you value the game for what it is and not Absolutely. just regard it as one of many implementations of this concept. He developed the concept. And, and it's not just, it's not just that. It, looking through this, um, this, document uh he outlines visually like all the process of coming up with the visual elements of the game um emails that went back and forth between him which is if you're interested in game design which of course everyone uh on this panel is um if you're interested in game design this is a really interesting document to read yeah super long so you may want to skim it uh, yeah absolutely yeah but it, it is it is a little bit long to read but i was able to read it and not you know, it's, yeah. it's not like you're going to have to settle in for a whole weekend or anything. Uh, but it's um, it's really intriguing to see how the different kind of concepts that he came up with and, and things that were re redesigned or over and over and over again or refined in different ways, what stayed the same, what changed a million times. Um, so I guess just to sum it all up, uh, this game is fabulous. If you even if you have seen 2048, uh, which I've also played, um, if you're looking for a game that builds on that, it, that is going to be a little bit more challenging, mm -hmm. but in my opinion, much more fun. Not only because it, of its visual polish, but because the rules are tuned very specifically to make it a game where you know I can put a, a pretty large amount of time. I can't tell you how many times I've played this game, but it's a lot. 
Um, and I still, every time I get a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm. It's an, every it's time a, I'm getting a little bit better at this. Game. It's a whole great package. Also great music. And, um, the, uh, the, it's got a, oh, a soundtrack that you will want to turn off whatever music is on your phone and listen to the soundtrack of this game. Uh, to, to give you a sense of this, I probably pay, played um, 10 hours of this game, which is a lot for me for a simple puzzle game. Uh, and it has one song that it plays over and over again, and I'm not tired of it, which is amazing. I've listened to this song on repeat for many hours and still love it. It's by a, uh, a great chiptune musician called Big Giant Circles. You can look him up as well. His stuff is really cool. Absolutely. So do you guys want to... Um, any any final thoughts on threes? I guess that's all I have to say about it. Uh, it it's a great game. Go get it uh, if you love puzzles. Where can they find it? They can find it on the Mac App Store. No, sorry. They can find it on the iOS App Store and soon on the Xbox 360. No, wait, Xbox, uh, Xbox One? Xbox One, yeah. Only Xbox One, not the 360? Not the 360, just the okay. Xbox One. Which I think is really strange. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, I guess that you could just hit the D-pad. It makes sense, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I kind of am picturing somebody on the Xbox One having it, like, snapped to the right side while they watch, like, TV on the left. Actually, that kind of makes sense. I could see that. Um, yeah, because you've got that TV pass-through with the Xbox One. That could maybe make sense. Mm-hmm. I actually I, I could maybe see that um, oh another thing is that this is one of the games that we're talking about today that does have an Android version um, oh, does so it? if okay, you good. don't have an iOS device I hope you haven't already hung up the podcast because this and several other games that we'll be discussing today actually do have uh, Android versions I haven't tried it on Android but I assume that it's pretty darn good Yes, indeed. It's available on the Mac, on the iOS App Store. Not the Mac. It's available on the Google Play Store and on Amazon. Awesome. So that was supposed to be our quick game, and that was like 20 minutes about. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep Bleck super duper short. Yeah. And I'm back from getting a beer. You know what I realized this week, guys? Now that I'm working from home, and this is a this is going to be a sadly short period because I'm also about to move, but now that I'm working from home and I also live within walking distance of a brewery, I'm thinking I'm just going to start making, you know, Every other day walks down there with a growler, and I'm just going to drink nothing but wonderful, fresh-out-of-the-growler brew all the time. It's going to be my new thing. Sounds good. So are you saying you're going to be drunk at work all the time? Should we send that out to our listening audience? I think that's implied. I was, I mean, you know, I, I, I was always drunk at my previous job. I don't know why I would change that now. Yeah. Are you drunk right now? Isn't it obvious? I thought it was. Okay. None of that's going in the show. (laughs) So, Nate, um, go ahead and intro us into uh, Monument Valley, which I think is probably the most uh, well-known, or it's gotten the most attention of the games that we're looking at. So the game that I wanted to talk about is Monument Valley, which I think within... uh, Within the first level or two, I had already decided was probably the most gorgeous game that I'd ever played. Uh, it's for sure on a mobile device. It is and, stunning. And it's up there on just any device. Uh, and it has nothing to do with graphics, anything like that. It's just the layout of the game is beautiful. The color, 
the the music everything was gorgeous it's not a particularly difficult game but it seems to be more about the experience the best i can describe it as and if you look this game up this will probably be what you see everywhere is it's like playing an mc escher Mm -hmm. painting uh even so much that like the infinite cube and the stairs that are you know are some of his more famous stuff those are essentially levels that you play you guide a little character uh the silent princess her name is ida Ida, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, She's adorable. across ten different chapters, uh, each a different puzzle, <clears throat> and it, it's kind of hard to put to words exactly how these puzzles work. Yeah, but it, it's essentially a like ship a shifting. You you're able to shift the world around and move your character across these puzzles that basically it's like moving the staircase on the infinite staircase uh mc escher painting where your character is going up and then the staircase will shift around and touch a thing that to your normal vision looks like it's in depth you know it's like way lower but when you align it just right they can walk into that next level Mm -hmm. i think the best way to explain it briefly is that it's one of these things where it's got impossible geometry to the architecture but if it looks like it touches it touches so at certain angles something that doesn't touch with something else i can't walk across that but as soon as you slide things into place so that even things that are really far apart spatially appear to touch then suddenly they actually do touch and she can walk across yeah exactly and that's pretty much the entire game is moving ida across these different levels different uh what sort I'm looking for like functions appear where sometimes you're like spinning the entire level in 360 degrees sometimes you're turning these little hand cranks that will move parts of the levels up and down uh, sometimes the levels you can kind of grab hold of a tile or a, or a staircase or whatever and shift it left and right mm-hmm. so I think probably the best sales pitch for this game is to look at any screenshot of the game because Absolutely. the game has a, I mean, everyone talks about this game's art style. It also has some really clever and fun puzzles. But really, this game is a visual feast. It's got beautiful pastel, just sort of, I mean, of course, just by being based on the artwork of M.C. Escher, uh, you have the built-in kind of visual beauty of something that's sort of designed to delight and confuse. But then the color of it is so beautiful. Yeah, that's where I think people describe it as being like Escher. And that, to me, conjures up, you know, his black and white etchings, because that's essentially how Escher works. But this has the geometry of Escher, but the color of something that is, I don't even know what to, what, I think visually the closest thing that I can point to is um, uh, games like uh, Sword and Sorcery or um, Ridiculous Fishing, those games that are also on iOS and have this sort of beautiful color, strange geometrical shapes. Um, it, it has a, a look that is really unique, really beautiful. And I think you could easily take any any screenshot from this game and frame it, and it would be a gorgeous painting. Yeah, they actually are obviously aware of that because they incorporated into the game an ability you uh, to essentially pause the game and take a screenshot. And I know you can do that on an iPhone anyway, but they actually incorporated it into the controls of the game to take screenshots as you're playing. Mm-hmm. And you can zoom in on details that you like and take nice photos of them. So they really uh, built that, I think, to make it easy to share the game with your friends, You know, to, to tell people about uh, the great visuals of the game. Yeah, there's uh, one 
chapter alone that blew me away and i i can't um, think of any other type of game that i've ever played like this uh this chapter eight it's called the cube um you basically the level starts out as a small cube and it opens up and as it opens up new dimensions happen things crawl out of each other it's it's gorgeous yeah i played that level too and i thought it was the best one in the game it's like a little magical puzzle box and every every facet of it does something different not having played the game uh how would you rank it in terms of like difficulty and length um Man, so length, it took me about an hour to maybe an hour and a half to complete. Yeah, I'd say maybe Um, an hour and a half. Yeah, and difficulty, I'll say this. It's not hard by any means, but it certainly doesn't hold your hand. There's virtually no uh, instructions. It basically opens up and says tap on the board where you want Ida to go, and then that's it. So from time to time, I got stuck just like, okay, there's something in this map that's obviously movable. I have to figure out what is movable and you learn there's little indicators as to what means you know the indicators show like what you can do with the level generally thing has things have little handles but sometimes the handles look different and you might not pick up on that exactly so it but it doesn't like you enter a world and it's like these little dots mean it can slide left and right use your finger to slide left and right there's you just open up into this gorgeous little map and it's up to you to figure out how to get to a certain spot yeah, and you don't have like a little it. talking ferret following you around yeah. saying, hey, have you tried sliding this thing? I think it can slide left and right. Use your finger. You get Ida to her spot. She takes off her hat and puts a weird little geometric shape on it. And then you go to the next level. The story is incredibly strange, but it's just like mystical enough and just kind of ephemeral. It, it, it's a really I, I can't exactly explain yeah. what it is. I think what's interesting do. about the game in terms of its story is that actually the story is more there just to provide mood. Um, it, it, it has a very soothing and yet slightly mournful kind of mood. You know, the, the, How's the music? You know, it's fine. I don't think it stood out. The music wasn't really a focus for me. What did you think yeah. of the music, Nate? Yeah, it's it's subtle. Yeah, it's subtle. Know? It's just sort of you know tones, and it sounds pretty good. But I don't. I definitely it recommend well. playing it. You know, listening to the music while you're playing because it adds to the theme. Yeah. But I would not say that, or to the mood. But I wouldn't say that it's like Thomas was alone or something where the music is is as up there as the colors and what. Yeah, it does, however, have nicely responsive music because as you rotate things or touch objects in the world, uh, they make noise, and all of them make beautiful noise they make little guitar strumming noises or other little sounds and so you definitely want to play this with the head with your headphones on but it's i wouldn't say that sound or i wouldn't say that music in particular is a big focus of this game Um, something that i i did think about its sort of mood though was that it has um it has this sort of something that the developer said about the game that i thought was really interesting was that they wanted to lay the levels out the way that they did because they wanted this sort of soothing mood to the game. And part of that is that in every level, you can essentially see the entire level all at once on your screen. You're looking at a architectural thing and it's centered on your screen. And you know, for the most part, you can see the whole thing. And uh, he called those little worlds. And each of, the, each of the levels is a little world. And they found that that really worked well because... Um, it provides it's comforting to the player it means that you you know you don't feel frustrated if you can see the whole thing you feel like even though it's got complexity to the puzzle the entire puzzle is within your view you can grasp the that's whole thing that's sort as a of whole. what i feel about 
touchscreen software in general mm -hmm. is that it's it's wonderful. Uh, one of the things that makes that wonderful is the fact that whatever the control I'm looking for, it's on my screen somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not buried in a menu. It's not a keyboard shortcut. It's not a... Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. I think touchscreen software has, touchscreen games in general have a sort of a comforting aspect to them because uh, you don't need to guess at what all the buttons do. Everything is there prov provided for you right on the same view. Good point. Yeah, if you look around at some of the reviews of the game, uh, probably one of the better ones that I've seen, uh, Tim Schafer, who worked for LucasArts for a long time. Oh, yeah, we've talked about Tim Schafer on this show. Yeah. He's the yeah, developer I, of Broken Age, and our Broken Age right. episode was... Um, really fun. So you should go back and listen yeah. to that one. He uh, he said, "Monument Valley is the most elegant game I have ever played." Wow, that's really a that's a great box, uh, you know. Quote: If this game had a box, that would be on the front. <laughs> yeah, and I think that says it perfectly. Elegant is a great word for this. It game. is. It's like a beautifully created, beautifully crafted. It's just it's just a stunning experience. And uh, you should definitely pick it up. It's actually from a really interesting little developer, too. Um, the developer is a company called Us2. Who's That's Us2, I Nate? Say. <laughs> I don't know much. I'm sorry. I, I don't have that prepared exactly what else they've developed. Um, that's okay. <laughs> Us2. So they made watchdogs. <laughs> Us2 is an interesting company. They're actually not primarily a game development company. They've developed a few games, but Us2 is actually a company that primarily makes apps for larger brands. They're one of these sort of development houses that um, they've made apps for like Sony and Nike and, and you know companies like that. And uh, they actually don't sort of build themselves as a game developer. They build themselves as a interaction design, you know, design, you know, firm, something like that. Um, and they have a game development house within them, but it's actually not where their company makes their big money. And I thought that was a fascinating aspect to this because us two, because their game development thing is essentially something that they do to uh, make themselves look good to prospective clients for their real business. You know, they, they create these really interesting little games and they haven't made a whole lot of them. This is probably the one, the first one that's gotten a really large amount of, of um, notice. Uh, they made a game called Whale Trail that I had played and is a lot of fun, but it's a much less ambitious game. It's just a really fun game where you play as a flying whale. It's kind of a, um, <laughs> what do you, what do you call those games where you, it's a, it's a sort of an endless runner where you're, uh, you, you, you play a whale that eats yeah, kind of a tiny wings type. It's game. a lot like tiny wings. It, you play a little cute whale who uh, is running away from something that has tentacles I forget the name of it. It was named after. I think that like genre is named after that one where you're running across the top of a building. Yeah, something chasing. Yeah, you. It, it's it's a lot in common with that. And I um I actually went back and played a little bit of that recently just because I, I played Monument Valley and I was like, what else have they made? And I was like, oh yeah, Whale Trail. This game was great. So I went back <laughs> and played a little Whale Trail recently. Um, it's great. The the whale flies by farting rainbows, and um, it has a phenomenal song uh, that plays in the background as you play, and it it's still stuck in my head. Whale Trail is really neat. It's free, so you should check that out too. Not as good as yeah. Monument Valley, but I thought that was a really yeah. interesting you know, thing. We have not been saying prices on these games. And yeah, that's actually should. exactly what I was about to say. This game is three ninety nine, which I know like. That sounds high for a an iPhone game or an iPad game, and I totally agree. But 
this is worth every penny. It is so worth. So it's like that. No. That might seem expensive for a iPhone game, but that's a bizarre quirk of the market. Um, Four dollars for this is well, an yeah. absurd bargain. And that's what's so silly about it, because it's like everybody, myself included, uh, have that like. I don't know that mental block. Like if it's if it's free, I'll download it. I'll do whatever. If it's a dollar, I'm like this had better be worth it. And then I'll be walking down the hallway and be like, "Ooh, a soda, dollar fifty. Yeah, it's you know? so bizarre because <laughs> I used to go to arcades, and sadly, my arcade closed last year. Aww. But um, I would I would go to the an tilt, arcade. The tilt at the Galleria closed. Yeah, the tilt at oh, the Galleria closed. Bummer. I used to go. And there I would a lot go too. down there and pump quarters into these machines. Uh, dollars, you know, a dollar at a time, two dollars at a time, sometimes twenty dollars at a time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, in another way to think about it too is like if you go to a movie, it's an hour and a half, and that's like twelve, thirteen dollars. This is an yeah. interactive, gorgeous experience for three ninety nine. It's totally worth it. But I, I totally understand the reservations to spend that amount of money on an app, but. That's because we're so often burned by poorly developed games. Yes, that you will not be charging. burned by this game. No, if this you are looking for someone to give you permission to spend $4 on a game that you will yep. enjoy, this is one to do it with. Uh, you can get it on the iPhone or iPad, so I, any iOS device. Uh-huh. You can get it on Android, and then you can get it on the Kindle Fire. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. Wow. All right. If you can. Threes, by the way, I'll just throw out there. Threes is currently uh, at a discount uh, at two dollars or a buck ninety nine. All uh, right. I think full it. price when I bought it when it first came out it was, was something like five bucks. Oh no, I think it was three dollars. I think I thought it was three ninety nine. I wanted to, I wanted to get it the other day and I was like three ninety nine for this. Three <laughs> three ninety nine for now. This, see, no, no, this no, is no, something no, Shane yeah, and I have been talking about a little bit. I'll go bit. play twenty four. I am trying to. I, I recognize this is an irrational thing in myself. You know this this aspect of. You know, I, I, an iPhone game for four dollars. I feel like that is irrational when we're talking about games that have actual quality. And so I've been trying, and I feel the same way sometimes about games on Steam because of you know Steam sales. I am trying to redefine in myself, you know, what I feel about the value of games because I want my uh, I want my actual personal values as far as, you know, I, I like to say that I believe in good quality and that I'll pay for good quality and that, um, you know, I appreciate art. And yet still I have that weird knee jerk of $3. What are they? What do they think I am made out of money? And so I'm trying to make sure that I actually practice what I preach and that my, uh, my values, uh, correlate with the value that I place on things. And so yeah. I really yeah, think absolutely. that this is a this is an example of a game where if you're looking for someone to give you permission to spend it, spend it on this. This is a yeah. I am game. much actually I, I I kind of agree with that, but I will go a step further and say that I would I would much rather download a game that costs two bucks than that costs zero bucks. Yeah. Because if I am downloading a game that costs nothing, like why does it cost nothing? That money is coming from somewhere. Oh, uh, Nate has just showed us on his webcam that he has just downloaded threes. Again, well done, with man. the only intention of doing this is to beat your guys' high scores. Well, that won't okay, be hard Nate. with mine, but uh, you can try. And I have kind of uh, eased off uh, the gas in terms of. Th- oh, so so a good example of this. I just um, 
at work the other day, someone was really, they saw me playing games on my phone and they were saying, oh, I love to play games on my phone. Uh, you should really download Two Dots. Have I ever, either of you guys seen Two Dots? Uh, I think I, I just heard about this game, but I've not really. It is free. Investigated um, it. And it incorporates, I, I started playing it and I really liked the design. Uh, it's an interesting puzzle game. Um, I was kind of, you know, as usual, I was a little concerned when I saw that this otherwise great looking game is free. And then I realized, gosh, well, it has that mechanic that I have always hated, which is microtransactions that prevent me from playing as much as I would like to play. Yeah, that is the biggest problem, I think. There are ways to do a sort of free game that, you know, gets you in terms of like in-app purchases or other add-ons later. Sometimes that can be totally valid. Yeah, I'll be happy to pay for levels, you know, if I've beaten all the free levels. And I'm, I'm also happy to pay for, you know, uh, something like Hero Academy, I think does a good job of selling new teams, something that adds something to the game. But if your core way of making money is to have me, like, run out of time and feed more yeah, like, that's so virtual dollars into well, it. Well, like, here's the thing. I'd rather is be that, at the arcade. I, yeah, I agree with you there, but actually I was about to relate that back to arcades. You know, Did we feel differently about this in the past when you would go to an arcade and spend $25 for a two-minute game? Excuse me, 25 cents. On the one hand, like, yes, it's basically the same thing, but on the other hand... That's skee-ball, and I'm sorry, your game is no skee-ball. <laughs> yeah, and you're paying to play on a game on a device that you already bought. You're not like going in to play on some sort of elaborate piece of hardware that could only be manufactured in you know two or three different places around the world, and then somebody had to ship it, and they're huge and heavy, and somebody has to pay to run an arcade, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the silly thing about those games, too, is they were actively designed to make you put more money into them. Like, they were purposely incredibly difficult oh, to make God. you throw more money into them. Unless you're me and you're playing this Pac-Man, in which case you can spend $25 and uh, impress the ladies with your skills all night. Well, of course, unless you're Reagan Kelly. And playing this Pac-Man, that's the only game I'm really good at. I've always liked Pac-Man. Speaking of Pac-Man, he was added as a character to Super Smash Brothers at E3. Oh, I'm pretty excited about really? it. Really? See, I am yeah. so excited about Super Smash Brothers, but I'm not sure whether I'm going to get it for my 3DS or wait and eventually get a Wii U. I think they've really done themselves a disservice here because it's like they're coming out with the 3DS version way before they come out with the Wii U version. And because there's both versions and because they're coming out in such different time periods, I'm like, I could buy it on the 3DS uh, but it doesn't seem like it'll be a very good experience. You can't really play it with friends in the same way that you can with uh, uh, with the Wii U version. Um, but also, if I do buy it on the 3DS, then I'll be bored of it by the time that... Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't be bored, bored, but I, I'll be sort of done by the time it comes out on the Wii U. I think they ought yeah. to have scrapped the 3DS version or maybe had that come out after the Wii U version if they really wanted to juice Wii U sales. Yeah, I'm torn I I'd love Super, Super Smash Brothers is one of my favorite games of all time, uh, all of them, all three of them, and I'm really torn. I'll probably end up getting both of them just because I have both consoles and I want to play as much Super Smash Brothers as possible. Mm -hmm. But that is kind of weird to have such a particular type of game have a staggered release like that. Yeah, and in two different versions that I just don't see how that game will really work on a on a 3ds. Yeah, we'll see. Shane, do you want to tell us a little bit about Black? Yes, I do. Uh, Black is a very simple puzzle game. 
but it's a puzzle game mechanic that I've never ever seen before. And um, so just to tell you visually what you see when the game comes on, uh, you'll see some colored dots on your screen and you will see some black dots on your screen. And the game's mechanic is that you draw almost like calligraphy, a, a line or a shape or a squiggle. And the game is going to take what you've drawn and it's just going to kind of continue that line. So if I draw a, um, let's say a, a line that kind of goes roughly down and to the right and then down and to the right, well, then the line's going to again go down to the right, down to the right, down to the right. Basically as though um, a pen were repeating the stroke that I'm drawing. And the goal of the game is to uh, have your, you know, draw your stroke uh, and then sort of release it. And it's going to repeat the stroke that you've drawn again and again. And you want it to hit all of the colored dots, but none of the black dots. Hmm. Sounds very simple. And actually, this is something that I think works against the game, is that it's very, very difficult to understand from either a description or a screenshot. Yes. And even videos are hard because you don't really see the person controlling it. Um, actually, this is something that I thought was kind of interesting. This game and... Uh, so, where Monument Valley, we were talking about how the the best sort of sales pitch for that game is just looking at any screenshot. You can see any frame from that game and immediately understand... Uh, first of all, what the game is all about in terms of its beautiful visuals, but also you kind of get a good sense of what the gameplay is all about because you see that beautiful um, uh, sort of architectural stuff. But Threes, Black, and Device 6 are all games that are that you really have to see in motion to understand at all. I, I definitely agree. And, and with Device 6, you have to see it and hear it. But uh, that's that's our next game. But, but Black is... I downloaded it because I knew I, you know, it said it was a puzzle game and I saw the screenshots and until I actually touched my finger to the screen and started trying to play, I had no idea how this game was going to work. Um, I didn't watch any videos before I downloaded it, which was a really delightful experience, actually. Um, it is one of those games where when you touch it, you will understand it. I mean, I did my best to kind of explain it, but... I don't think I did a very good job. I, you know, I don't know how easy it is to explain. It's kind of like talking you through, a, you know, a dance performance. It's yeah. It's like it really doesn't make sense in any format except for the one that it's in. And in a sense, I think that's actually kind of why Apple awarded this game, and even kind of awarded all of these games, is that these are games that are about the touchscreen interface. They are games that make the medium the message. They take the uh, the iPad and they make you think, oh my God, this iPad or iPhone or whatever it is is doing something magical. And that's that's Apple's incentive in all of this. I mean, you know, is is Black one of the best games to come out this year? I don't know. It, it's a pretty good game. There's a lot of games coming out across a lot of platforms though. But, you know, Apple recognized these games because they make Apple look good. They make Apple's platforms look Stunning by doing something that you just couldn't see happening on another device. And that's that's absolutely true. This game, I mean, I don't even know if it is available for anything other than an iOS device, but definitely it would be impossible to repeat 
this game or to have any game even slightly mechanically similar to it on any other kind of non-touchscreen device. I did check, and if you're interested in playing Black but you don't have an iPhone or iPad, actually, I'm not even sure. Is it out on the iPhone? It is out on the iPhone. Okay, so iPhone and or it's iPad. It's a universal app. Um, it is coming for Android. They've announced it on their website, and they have a mailing list. So if you are interested in this game, you can go on their website and put in your email address, and they'll let you know when it's available for your Android device. But at the How moment... How do you spell Black? B-L-E-K. There you go. Which is another thing that I thought was kind of odd about the game. I think that's a kind of an off-putting name because it's the sort of thing that I imagine someone saying when they taste something disgusting. Black. Yeah, that's true. Black. But, but uh, it is not disgusting. The the catch, you know, the the tagline for the game is "Watching it move is like watching magic," and that really is kind of how the game feels. It does feel a little bit magical. I think that this game. The interaction of the game is the best part of it, and that's the hardest part for them to uh, show in a video or, uh, you know, for me to describe to you while you're not seeing it through the magical medium of of podcast audio. Mm -hmm. But um, to actually play this game is, uh, is, I I think this might be my favorite. You've uh, you've sold me, Shane. I'm just hitting buy on my iPad right now. Yeah, Yeah, I just looked it up $3 game. I've gotten through 49 of the puzzle levels. Uh, I'm not quite sure how many there are. If there were 50, I would say the game is still just about the right size. Um, It's definitely uh, a unique game experience. And so um, I give it, I give it four out of five stars, I would say, because it's, it's lacking a little bit in the, it's a little bit visually plain, but um that's uh, you know that might appeal to some people. Well, it's got a very modern art, art aesthetic to it. That's awesome. Well, that, I'm I'm very excited to try that one. That's one of the yeah, few of this that I haven't tried. Um, I just gotta beat you two and threes, and then I'll play Black. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. So, so let's hear about Design Six, Devi- Device Six. Device Six, yeah. Um, this was a game that I was really excited to play because I've been reading a little bit about it, and also the developer Simogo's other game. Uh, well, other games, actually. They, they've programmed a number of games for the iPhone and iPad, and before that they programmed some other stuff that I'm not really well aware of. Um, but uh, Device 6 is a game that's really difficult to describe. Uh, to kind of give you a sense of it, um, when you first open this app, when you, you know, tap on Device 6 on your home screen, uh, you're treated to a very 1960s-style intro video that reminds me a lot of a kind of a... Um, homage to the artistic intros to 1960s Bond movies, sort of crossed with stuff from a from the 1960s TV show The Prisoner, uh, which I think this actually sort of specifically references a few times. And um, it's uh, it it has a sort of a spy story feel to it. Yeah, the the visuals of it are all um, uh, typography flying around uh, beautiful areas of color and photographs that just sort of all come together in the form of almost like a animated scrapbook or a really element elegant animated book cover. Yeah. So I will definitely put a link to some visuals for you guys in the show notes. The um, uh, kind of reminded the, me of those beautiful penguin books 
book cover. Yeah, I think it had really a lot in common with that. So you can check out the intro video, which is a great uh, way to kind of get a sense of the art style of the game. And then when you begin playing the game, um, it's hard to really describe the gameplay style, but the best that I can figure out how to put it is that it's it's a it's interactive fiction in a sense, in that you are reading a work of fiction, and that is the main way of playing the game. Um, but rather than sort of navigating through a world by like, if you've played other interactive fiction, usually that takes the form of you read a description of what's going on, and then you type in or otherwise select an action that you want to take, and then yeah. it reads out. Some it's text. like walking through a book. Yeah. Um, as you kind of, and, and it's it's a complete sensory experience as you. You know, your your character, I think her name is Anna, might be walking down a hallway and you're scrolling to the right reading text as she walks down a hallway. Yeah. You're seeing what she's seeing uh, from the photography and you're hearing as you... One of the things I thought was the, the best elements of the game was the audio. Like, as you walk your fingers down the page, you're hearing... Her footsteps. Yeah. So essentially, the text is a map. You're moving through the text. So as you scroll down to read more text, suddenly maybe the text will take a turn to the left as Anna takes a turn down a hallway, and you'll have to rotate your device, and the text will begin moving in a new direction. Um, so, and you can scroll backwards and forwards. Unlike a lot of things like this, the text is all there. You can scroll back at any point and see the earlier parts of the text, and sometimes it's very important because sometimes things will have changed back then. So I think that the game has a kind it's a kind of a merging of several genres. Um, it's in a way it's interactive fiction. You're reading a work of fiction that is in and of itself a game. Um, it's in a way an adventure game. Actually, the game that it reminded me of most was Mist because it has uh, a sort of a sense of exploring a confined area. You know, um, in the case of Mist, that would have been an island. Here, it's a series of sort of rooms or sort of areas. Uh, like castle, uh, you know, pier, um, and you're navigating that space looking for clues. Um, but in this case, the space that you're navigating is the text of the story. You're scrolling back to read older parts of the story. You're scrolling down in, in you know, in, in multiple directions to read the branches of the story um, and seeing all the visuals that accompany that. Yeah, sometimes you have to backtrack and you'll discover a new branch, uh, uh, you know, a new line of, of text that branches off in a new direction that you couldn't see before. In a lot of ways, this game to me is kind of like a text-based gone home. Yeah. The only thing that we haven't really talked about yet is the puzzle nature of it yes and it's actually an incredibly smart and at least for me difficult set of puzzles mm -hmm. because you're basically interpreting a combination of sound text and visuals all to answer uh pretty pretty uh difficult pretty masked riddles yeah. to a sense. you're answering a lot of little riddles and usually the sort of structure of them is there's in each of the stages and the, the game is divided um you know predictably into six stages um 
each of them kind of involves getting out, escaping something. And that's actually something that I thought was kind of interesting because another genre this could fall into is sort of escape the room games. There's actually a surprising number of games that kind of fit that mold. Things like The Room. I think, or, yeah, I think uh, The Room won a design award last it year. It did, yeah. Or um, 999 for the, uh, the, the DS is a popular game that kind of involves a escape the room mechanic. And there are others. Um, so it, it has that sort of puzzle game aspect, but it's not just a, you know, solve a puzzle and then solve another puzzle. You're solving a puzzle with a pretty distinct goal in mind. You're trying to get out yeah. and you've got a, a limited area to explore in order to find what you need to get out. Yeah. And no, no puzzle is like the other there. I mean, other than that, you're like unlocking a door sometimes, but the way that you go about answering these questions is very different. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. They're, they're very unique puzzles. Uh, you're right, Nate. Some of them were real head scratchers for me. I still haven't completed the game. I have two stages remaining. I'm in the middle of the fifth stage. I have pay, played it to completion, and it definitely has a good payoff. So obviously we won't spoil anything because it has an yeah. interesting plot. In and of, it, it, Its plot actually is... Uh, it does a good job of drawing you into the mystery because it is a sort of a mystery game with sort of spy, uh, spy overtones. Um, the story doesn't really convince you that there's going to be a great payoff. It does have an okay payoff, but um, it's it's pretty good. Uh, but the story, I don't think, is the focus. The actual the focus no. is this is another game where I think the medium is the message. This is a game. It's definitely about playing a delightful devices. game. Like Device Six, not sorry, uh, like Monument Valley, where the experience is really what is most interesting. You know, the the overall uh, complete work. Uh, this game is the same way. Um, one of the things that I found in getting ready for the show was their guide to references and inspirations for the game oh, yeah. on their site, and. Um, that kind of made me go back to some of the previous uh, parts of the game and kind of rethink the overall picture. Like, uh, I don't think there's enough in this article that would like spoil it for you for for someone to actually, if someone was interested well, in reading along this. I don't know. I wouldn't probably read the one um, on their uh, on their references because that could be a little bit spoilery. But their yeah. one about inspiration on their blog was great. It, they had a kind of a design collage where they showed a lot of visuals of things that inspired the visual aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. They they do call out right at the top. Uh, you mentioned earlier the show uh, the prisoner. Mm -hmm. And if have you guys seen the prisoner? I have, but I don't know no. if Nate has. Oh, uh, it's really cool. Not to sidetrack, but it's a 1960s show where a spy, um, very sort of 1960s style spy uh, plot, in the very first episode of the show, he is captured by enemies, and he becomes yeah, he, a prisoner. He wakes up in a, um, in a seaside resort. A British seaside resort, which is particularly yes. confusing because he's a British uh, governmental, you know, spy so he's never sure where he is uh and it the the resort has this weird feeling like it's it's laid out and uh it, to all appearances it is a, a small town a small british seaside resort but you can't get out and presumably every single person there is some kind of uh spy or governmental agent who has been retired to there and can no and longer leave the the other reference he was in that show he was only known as number six yes all the all the People in the town have name, names, no names, and only numbers. And number six was and the that prisoner. was a game that got that was sorry, not a game. That was a show that got progressively more 
and more um, bizarre and uh, dare I say trippy mm-hmm. uh, as it went along. Dreamlike. Dreamlike is probably a better than than trippy. No, just trippy. Because if you saw it was, that last it was the sixties. You're right. That was trippy. Not out trippy. That was that was some trippy trippy stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that Device Six does as well. I feel like in, yeah, in a sense the it, plot surreal. is this surreal dreamlike experience. And it does have payoff at the end, um, but be prepared for something that just sort of feels like a bizarre dream that uh, that will uh, never truly make complete sense. Yeah, I mean, on top of the spy thing, I mean, these are all kind of in the same same pocket, but uh, I got a very strong uh, film noir sense from it as well. It's really a terrific game. Uh, the puzzles... Uh, all have you know similar aspects, but they are all really pretty diverse, and you'll uh, uh, you'll really have to do some thinking, which is why I actually thought that uh, it's almost required that you play this game with a piece of paper and a pencil Definitely. handy, because as I was going through the game, I constantly had to make notes to myself, and that really reminded me of Mist. I mean, honestly, I think that the thing the thing that this most reminded me of, like I already said before, was that this reminds me of the that weird dreamlike feeling that you get in Mist, where you're having to sort of explore. You're never really sure what things have meaning and what things don't, and you have to kind of uh, figure out as you go what things are actually important and what things are just surreal. Um, really a terrific game. And this game is by a really interesting little developer called Simogo, as uh, we mentioned earlier. Simogo um, has developed a few really interesting games, a couple more conventional ones. One really cool one that you might want to check out uh, is that they, they created a iPhone and iPad uh, platformer sort of stealth game called Beat Sneak Bandit that is super cool. Beat Sneak Bandit is a game in which you're a sort of little thief that has to dance through a level uh, in or and you know you have to match the beat, otherwise you'll be seen. Uh, so really a fun little game. But after that they started making uh, they made some other things before that of course as well. But after that they started making some uh, more interesting stuff. Uh, they made a game called Year Walk that's out for Mac, PC, uh, and iOS. Uh, not Android, I'm afraid. Uh, they don't seem to develop for Android. Um, uh, Year Walk has a uh, sort of a Swedish mythology theme uh, and you are it's sort of a adventure game crossed with a horror game crossed with a sort of just surreal bizarre yeah there's a there's a horse in a suit i think he's a goat uh and there's a uh, livestock in suits it's yeah. a classic classic yeah. surreal, surreal kind of technique. an indie puzzle horror uh, first-person adventure. Mm-hmm. And on iOS, it's interesting. It has a, a companion app that it requests that you install at the same time. So you're actually installing the game itself, but also the Yearwalk companion, which is a separate app that describes the um, the Swedish mythology that you're playing out. And from what I have heard, actually, those two have an interesting... Towards the end of the game, they have an interesting interplay between the uh, the guide app and the game app. And you're having to constantly move between the two, which I thought sounded like a really interesting use of the platform. Yeah, it's an interesting technique to actually require someone to switch between apps. When most things are trying very hard to keep you in their app, they actually want you to close the app and open up a different one. Mm -hmm. Even though it's still made by them, it's still a technique that I don't 
think I've seen elsewhere. Yeah, and so that's that's something that uh, I think is a, a thing for Samogo. They really are using the platform in a way that really feels like something that couldn't exist elsewhere. I think that's the thing about device six that makes it so stunning as well, and why Apple probably rewarded it with a, de- a design award is that it is something that yeah. you could not see on another platform. No, I like I think you just literally couldn't do it. Like Monument Valley, I think you could make that on any. Uh, it wouldn't be as nice. I think you could point you could and click that game. Yeah, you could lit- you could play it. I think this one you just like literally can't play it. Mm-hmm. You know, the text, it has this endless canvas kind of feel, which is something that is almost impossible to do on any device other than a, uh, a touchscreen. Um, and then you're constantly having to reorient the device. You, you can't turn the monitor on your computer or the screen on your television. This is a game that requires, you know, that, that makes the fact that you are holding a device in your hand. I mean, the game is called Device 6, and in some sense it has a sort of a commentary on uh, device culture and uh, cultural obsession with devices. Um, and the fact that you are playing this game by holding a device in your hand is both thematically and also just sort of mechanically vital to the game. You know, I'm not spoiling anything, but the, re- the game really is about people's relationship with devices in, in a little bit of a, hey, it, it, it airs a little towards yeah, that. Yeah, not, not super it, right? on the nose, but that's definitely in there. Yeah, um, well, once you get towards those final levels, you haven't played them. It, it's pretty on the nose. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks. For, yeah, no shame. spoilers. No, yeah, no spoilers. Once, but it's once a once uh, you plebeians manage to make it there. But it is a game so that Reagan, is about holding a device. I think I've in decided to buy this game on like five or six different platforms and then never finish. <laughs> I feel like that's the real way to appreciate it. That's a Reagan Kelly special. Although I will say this is another game that uh, we probably can't do true justice to by describing it. You have to, first of all, watch that great intro video, which I'll make sure is in the show notes. It really is just stunning. And then get this game on your iPhone or iPad. I think it plays equally well on the iPhone or iPad. I played on the iPad, but in a sense, partly because of the thematic stuff of the game, I actually think this game would maybe work better on an iPhone. It's a game that you should absolutely pick up if you have an iOS device. And uh, another game that costs, I think, $3.99, that seems to be a sweet yep. spot for these types of games. Yep. So you can find that on the iOS App Store. Uh, Year Walk, another cool game. We may actually do a whole episode on uh, at some point in the future because it's recently come out on Steam for Windows PCs and that's kind of opened it up to a broader audience. But uh, that's a game that you can find on Windows, Mac, and also on iOS. So um, check out Simogo and their, their games, Device 6 and Year Walk. Um, and I guess that leaves us with just one game to very briefly touch on because none of us have played it. <laughs> so we saved the worst for last. Is it worst? <laughs> I feel like that's really unfair. We haven't no, played it. I feel like our commentary on it will be pointless because not, none of us have played Leo's Fortune, the uh, platformer in which a... Uh, Tribble with a mustache tries to find whoever stole its gold. Did you guys see the trailer for the game? 
I did not. It is adorable. Uh, it did make me kind of want to play the game. It has a, uh, first of all, uh, Leo, uh, the tiny greenish, bluish uh, puffball with a mustache, speaks with a voice that really reminds me of those Dosakis commercials with the most interesting man on earth. There are good mornings. Those with warm tea and the purple light. Then there are mornings without tea. Or any light at all. Where you wake up and find your fortune lost. Taken from you. Possibly forever. My name is Leopold. And I'm going to get my gold back. Um, the game, which I have not played, looks really cute. Um, and it uh, it has, it seems, really nailed platform controls and play on iOS. Uh, I'm told that it plays a lot like Badland or Badlands, which I did play. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, game. although with a faster yeah. pace that reminds uh, reviewers, and not me, uh, more of uh, the Sonic games, some of the later Sonic games like Sonic 4, where there's more centric, uh, more like coin pickup centric. Interesting. I mean, you know, we just sat here and raved for an hour and 20 minutes about all the other games and even threes, which is an incredibly simplistic game. We talked for like 20 minutes about how great it is. I have to imagine that this game is is just as good. Yeah. We just happen to have picking not losers it. on this one. So. Yeah, we just for whatever reason, this is one that we didn't all land on playing. Yeah. Also, so. is it the most expensive of these games at five dollars? <laughs> Five dollars? That's outrageous. Oh, anyway, I'm going to McDonald's. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's available on iOS for both iPhone and iPad, and an Android version is in the works, but there's no release date yet. So um, uh, that's a game. If you have a review of of Leo's Fortune that you'd like to send our way, listeners, we're all ears. Yeah. Is it good? Is it terrible? I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) You tell us and put it on our Facebook page or something or, you know, get back to us by Twitter. But uh, this is another game that I I just didn't want to leave it completely off of our show because it's stunning. We got a year where Apple, I really don't know how they picked them or what the categories are or really anything at all about the selection process for Apple Design Awards. But Apple picked five games this year. Most of them were ones that I had already played and those that I hadn't played are really great. So it was just awesome to see those all sort of recognized for being the great games that they are. Uh, if you, like a lot of our listeners, have an iPhone or an iPad, um, or even if you have an Android device, I hope that one of these games is going to be something that you can pick up and really, really like. I think they are just awesome. Yeah, yeah just looking yeah. back at the history of the Apple Design Awards, they have never had five games. Last year they had four. Previous to that, never more than, it looks like, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, and they are awarding more apps as well, but um, it's a—I think it's a sign of the times that that uh, you know in in this uh, awards show that you know they do their uh, biggest event for developers that they're really focusing on gaming. And I think in the future, with a lot of the technology that they announced, like Metal uh, for 3D graphics, yeah, really an interesting thing, other there. stuff. It's definitely going to be my dream uh, is an Apple that cares about gaming. And I think we might be starting to get there. I don't think they've ever really seriously cared that much about gaming, but I I think we're getting there. Yeah. I wonder what games Craig Federighi has on his iPhone. (laughs) 
Angry Birds, every single Angry Birds, <laughs> like all of them. He has just an entire page full of Angry Birds. That's my guess. Absolutely. Most of them have the little blue dot that shows that they're new. <laughs> yeah, un- unplayed. <laughs> yep. Well, guys, thanks a whole lot for uh, joining me for this this uh, episode uh, talking about Apple Design Award winning games. Maybe we'll do this again next year, actually, because I think this is a great way to kind of recap what the special games are on this platform that I know we all three kind of really value. And with our show being about short games, these are all the kinds of games that really fit well. I think, with our our concept. So I was really excited to play these, and uh, thank you guys for joining me. Um, hopefully you'll join us again next week when we're discussing... Do we know what we're discussing next week, guys? Um, we Did we land on Dishonored, or was it... Um, did I just throw that... Did I just spoil it? No, we're uh, cool. I can edit stuff out. I'll bleep it. No big deal. Okay. Actually, I think we were going to do... Were we still doing Transistor? Oh, yes. I think that was on our schedule. Transistor is really cool. I am about three quarters of the way through it, and by the time I had played it for 30 minutes, I already knew I really wanted to do an episode about it. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, uh, Transistor is a game by the developer of Bastion, another great game that maybe we'll find time to do an episode about someday. Um, Transistor is a uh, top-down... No, top-down is wrong. It's a, a sort of isometric view action role-playing game. It's got an amazing art style. I don't know. It's it's not Monument Valley, but it just looks great. It's it kind of looks like a Gustav Klimt painting, and um, it's uh, it's just gorgeous. And it's a uh, plays out in a really interesting, but only sort of hinted at uh, world that sort of uh, cyberpunk meets Art Deco. It's uh, it's just a terrific game with really fun combat. So I'm playing through it now, and um, we're hoping to talk about that next week. If not, then we may fall back and talk about Dishonored, which is another game that I love and I think that uh, we've all three played and is a game you can get through in a pretty reasonable amount of time. That's another one on our uh, on our short list. So uh, the short game short the short game short list. So join us next yeah. week for another exciting episode. Uh, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter. We are at underscore short game, uh, or you can leave us a review on iTunes where really exciting uh, thing that will be old news and probably no longer visible by the time you're hearing this show, uh, Apple decided to put us on their new and noteworthy page on the games and hobbies section of Ooh. iTunes, which means that, you know, no one no one saw that, no one looks there, but it's still a little bit of an ego boost for all of us. We were pretty excited about it. Yep. I'm firing two pistols wildly into the air in excitement. Yeehaw! So if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes, then uh, please go and do that so that they will continue to mistakenly think that we're a big deal. And if you uh, have already reviewed us on iTunes, thanks so much for doing that because that really helped us out and we've uh, really... Uh, that, that doesn't do nothing. You're not throwing those reviews into the void. They really do uh, us a great service. So if you're liking the show, please do review and, and like us on iTunes. Also, like us on Facebook. doesn't hurt there. And, uh, and follow us on Twitter. Uh, where can everybody follow both of you guys? You can follow me on Twitter at NateSTL. Awesome. And don't forget to plug and your I'm other podcast. At 8BitShane. Oh, Oops. sorry. Shane. No, that was... don't plug your other podcast. Neither of you can plug anything else. You can also listen to my uh, beautiful voice. If you are a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals, I have a podcast called Talking About Birds. 
St. Louis Cardinals, I don't think anybody's really into those, are they? No, not very. Nah. But if you happen to be one of those weirdos, definitely check out his show talking about birds. Um, so thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you again next week when we talk about some other game. Probably Transistor. Sweet. Sweet.